Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. A wing of wet, a wing of wet, a wing of wet. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Yo, what's going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the one and only Hog Talk Podcast. I'm the Friday host, Ty Hudson, alongside me. As always, the the man himself, Kyle Sutherland. How you doing, man? I was thinking you were going to give me an even more fancy intro, but uh, I'll take that. The man himself, that's cool, but... Uh, the weather's nice, as as uh, we always talk about, <laughs> and got some great stuff to to cover with Mississippi State, and we're going to hear about the newest Gator record that uh, was killed over last weekend. Ty, did you hear about that? That went on in Dumas. I, I wanted, yeah, Friday, I, I I saw you guys were talking about that in our chat, and I figured we're going to have to talk about this on the podcast. I, I, if you guys. Um, you guys are all about this. And I guess you kind of have a connection there with 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 these with these guys involved in catching this gator. Uh, what so yeah, what's the so story here? They're, they're well, they're all from the North Little Rock area. Travis Bearden is the one that I uh, did the interview with that we'll get here and to in just a second. Just a quick story that he tells, uh, kind of what went down with all those guys. But yeah, they're all from the North Little Rock area, which is where I grew up in. So we've always known who each other were growing up. Uh, Travis is more of uh, we, we've hung out a few times, but. He is more of like a friend through mutual friends type thing, just the group of people that we roll around with. And um, I've gotten to know him a lot more over the last couple of years, but pretty cool story. And uh, actually, we'll go ahead and get into that right now. I, he actually joined me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline. Let's do that. Let's let's cut to that. It'll be, uh, I think, it, what, it's about a five or six minute long interview? Is that yeah, about it's about five or six minutes. And so he just kind of tells that quick story. Well, there you go. Let's cut to it really quick. Now joining me on the Wortman's Travel Center hotline is one quarter of the Gator King crew who, if you haven't heard already, uh, killed the biggest gator, at least harvested the largest gator in Arkansas state history, 800 pounds, 13 feet, 11 and a half inches uh, down in Gillette around the Dumas area. And it's Travis Bearden joining me right now. Travis, I know you've been on cloud nine this week, man, just uh, about how many phone calls and text for requests and interviews and people just want to talk to you. How much have you gotten to that? 
Man, we, we killed that gator Friday night. I don't think I've been off the phone since Saturday morning. I mean, it's, it's been nonstop. People, I mean, either congratulating or reaching out. and It's mostly just congratulations and stuff like that. So how did this all begin? You, uh, I know when we started record, before we hit record, that you had mentioned that you'd been doing this or trying to get tags for nine years. Now, is that just putting in requests and then you eventually have to get them? Or how long have you actually been doing the hunting itself? Uh, yeah, the Game and Fish does, it's kind of like a lottery drawing. They do 23 tags a year uh, for public uh, use or for, for the lower Arkansas River area, which we like to go to. I, I've been before a buddy of mine named John Spradlin. He actually uh, got a tag five years ago and we harvested a 10, 10 foot two alligators. And I, and I thought, I mean, we was on cloud nine then, you know, we thought that was huge and it, it was. But then, I mean, when we got this one, it was, it was crazy, you know. Before we get into actually how it happened, is this the so before you or I guess after you had you guys had gotten this one, did you come close before to getting one? Or is like had you killed one before that was maybe just a little smaller? Uh, like run me through that. Well, we had went the weekend before because uh, the gator hunt is it lasts two weekends out of the year, and we went the weekend before and it, it was tough. I mean, you can hunt thirty minutes after sun's uh, sunset up to thirty minutes before sunrise, so it's all at night. And it's just, I mean, grueling all night long, you know. And uh, we was unsuccessful the Friday night. And then Saturday, I actually threw at one with the harpoon and kind of hit it. It was nowhere near as big, uh, which is, I guess it was a blessing. But at the time, it was, it was kind of a curse. We was like, we're never going to get close enough to get one. But, yeah, that was the only time that weekend that we even had a chance at one. So, I know it was you, your dad, your brother, and your best friend. And y'all were just, I, I assume that pretty much how it happened is you're just strolling along in the boat looking for gators and all of a sudden do you just see this big dinosaur swimming around or how did that all go? You know, and most people don't know, and I didn't know until I've been out there before. Uh, Arkansas River, the lower end of it, is, is, is covered with gators. I mean, they're everywhere. We're out there at night and use a spotlight. You just shine across the lake. You can see red eyes all over the place. So it's, it's more like you see their eyes and – you can almost tell by how fast they start swimming because you can't really see their body, but you can just see their eyes, how far, how fast they, they move is how we're kind of being able to tell how big they are. And this one was definitely moving pretty quick. So it's, we, we spent a lot of time on it. Cause I mean, I think we tried after it three or four times and it kept going underwater. So we just kill the boat and get quiet and just wait for it to pop back up. And uh, yeah, somehow we finally got close enough to it. I don't know if he was trying to express dominance or something to say, to let us know that he wasn't afraid of us or what. Was it similar? Now, we, we see on Swamp People, I know a lot of us have watched that show, and that's pretty much from that show is the extent of gator knowledge that I have, at least from the hunting, fishing part of it. Do they typically squirm and, and try to fight you like that? I've heard that a lot of the times if you just gently pull the rope up uh, that or the cable, whatever you're using, that if you just pull it up slowly, that they're usually pretty calm and you can just shoot them. How was that for you guys? Well, it's not that he went, you know, berserk like you see on Swamp People. I don't know if they're stabbing that thing with steroids first or what. But uh, we we kind of – we knew that we had it stuck pretty good, but we didn't know, you know, from the weekend form we stuck when it came out. We, we we really babied it a lot. and But all that thing had to do was just barely move its tail, and it just took off. So it, was, it just had so much power. It was pulling the boat around like we had the motor on. And I, I can imagine it was pretty tough to load up even with four guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had – there was some other crews that were out there hunting, and they heard us hooping and hollering and stuff, so they came over and check it out. And they had to hold one side of the boat down while we got the head in. And then, you know, if you ever watch some people, they say, you know, get the head and the jaw in first and then roll it in. Well, that's what we thought too, but it, it – they make it look a lot easier than what we had to do, i say that. And this was on the last day of gator season, right? I thought I remember when I read about that from when I had first seen it in the article. That was like the last day and really the last chance you guys had for this year. That was – that was the last weekend. It was uh, it was actually Friday night, so we still ha we still could have uh, had a chance at it Saturday, and I think Sunday too. I don't. I'm not sure if you can do it on Sunday. We we've been just doing Friday and Saturday because you know most of us have to work on Monday. So yeah, and that's I'll tell you that's pretty wild to think about. I, I know that you think about South Louisiana and the Everglades of Florida, and to my knowledge, I, I think there's a few. There's been some gators spotted in uh, Southeast Oklahoma, but to be probably the only landlocked state to have this, this kind of record and that it's very, very unlikely that it's ever going to be beaten. I know it's got to be a pretty incredible feeling. It really is. 
I hear people, you know, that say, oh, I heard that there's a, there's a gator in Conway or there's one in Fayetteville. I'm just like, you know what, after what I've seen down south, I don't see why they couldn't travel up the river and be anywhere, to be honest with you. Well, Travis, I really appreciate you coming on and then sharing the story. I know that um, obviously this is a sports podcast, but the majority of our listeners I know are hunters and fishermen. And to hear something like this, especially guys that I know you've been hunting your whole life and fishing your whole life, and I know this is pretty much like a Super Bowl for you guys or like some kind of championship win. So uh, big congrats on that and, and keep on enjoying it, soaking in the moment. I mean, I, I really, I'm a big fan of the show, man. I appreciate you having me on. Man, that beast comes at my boat. I, I'm getting on out of there. I want no part of that gator. I want no part. I don't want the smoke. I'm out. I'm out. But hopefully we'll take it to some gators later on this season, eh? That'd be pretty <laughs> cool, but we'll see on down the road. Mm. That would be a lot more fitting if this happened the week of, right? The week that we play the gators. That'd yeah. be way more yeah, fitting. it would. That's a hell of a story. That's crazy. I mean, I'm sorry. Heck of a story. It's a heck of a story you got there. That was pretty. That was pretty interesting to say the least. Okay. Well, moving on to the to the next part of the show. And by the way, next segment we've still got we've 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 got more show for you. Kyle will be interviewing MS Mississippi State beat writer from the Clarion Ledger, Tyler Horka, and also stick around. Porter Hayes will have his update on Arkansas. Uh, women's sports. That's all on the uh, next part of the next part of the show. So I know you guys. You, you know, on Monday show, you you had your take from from last weekend's game. I'll, I already said my I, I made my peace with it on the post game show on on the PTN immediately following the uh, Saturday, and then of course Monday I kind of did a little recap. So I won't go in any further. I'll just say for anyone who hasn't heard my part or my what I what I thought of that game I'll just say this it it went unexpectedly in the first half did not expect Arkansas to look that good on defense how about them hogs on defense and then Georgia made a quarterback change and it kind of all came back to it kind of felt a little bit like last year don't crucify me I promise I'm not trying to I'm not saying that that's what we're getting more of this year I'm not saying that it's going to be more of John Chavis like defense I was really impressed with how physical that front seven was, how the defensive backs were just reactionary. I mean, they as soon as the ball was thrown, it's like they were making contact with the wideout or they were attacking the ball. You know, I think we had five or six passes defended. I don't know that that happened one time in a single game last year where they had that many pass breakups. Really impressed with what I saw, but then they made the quarterback change, and uh, the rest is obviously history. By the way, by the way, we made a post – on Facebook, I didn't make this this uh, image, this this picture. Our very own Keith did that, uh, Keith Kelly. And I look, we I thought it was a good idea. Let's post our projections. And he wrote for the Georgia game, expert analyst uh, analyst. Sorry, I was going to say analysis. Expert analyst. Our predictions for the game. Kyle, you picked thirty-one to seventeen. Cabo. 34 to 16. Porter 47-17. I picked 35 to 10. Keith Kelly picked 35-14. And Jacob Davis 38-21. And we had people just going at us over the whole quote unquote expert analyst. And look, I kind of found it a little humorous myself. I don't think I'm an expert by any by any stretch of the imagination. But just saying. Several of us were pretty damn close. Darn, darn close. We were pretty darn close. Uh, Kyle, you were close at 31-17. Keith at 35-14. I was at 35-10. And uh, Cabo at 34-16. That's not too bad. That's not too shabby. So for all you haters, all you trolls in the in the comment section, you can... Uh, you can you can bite us. I don't know. I thought that was pretty. Thought that was. It was funny. Don't get me wrong. We didn't come up with the expert analyst. But what else are we? I guess we should have just put amateur analyst. I don't know. But um, we were close. We that wasn't too bad at all. Uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty from on paper. And I think that a lot of times I can't even tell you how many times I've been completely off on scores. But on paper, it, it went about exactly what we had been saying. I think that we was sort of a unanimous decision of how we thought the game would go. But this one's going to be a little bit tougher to predict. Oh, man. Of course, Mississippi State coming off 
I guess the, you could say the biggest win of the weekend mm-hmm. and with what they did, not just to LSU, but at LSU, 623 yards passing for KJ Costello, which we did talk about that on, on uh, Monday's pod, but there's going to be, we're just really what it boils down to in this one is we're going to have to be healthy and we're going to have to play consistent defense. Uh, again, as I said on Monday's pod, I think a lot of what went down in the second half was due more so to fatigue and just lack of depth, but they're uh, they're definitely going to as they saw as we've seen with Mike Leach always, and as we saw last Saturday, they're going to try to throw the ball 60, 70 times a game, and it's definitely going to be that way against us. Did you did you think we'd ever see that in the SEC? I mean, before Leach came along, I mean, did you ever think we'd well, see someone we, throw like that? We, we did. I didn't know that we were ever going to see it. To I, I figured we would see the air rate at some, but. I think what a lot of people get confused on, there's only actually – now, you, you've got your branches of the air raid, Sonny Dykes, right. Lincoln Riley. Uh, of course, well, now it's Cliff Kingsbury that's in the NFL. But it all started with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach at Kentucky in 1998, which Arkansas – played. we all have heard how Mike Leach had talked about how one of the loudest stadiums he ever played in was Little Rock. That was in 98 when he was the offensive coordinator for – 98 or 99 when he was the offensive coordinator for Kentucky – but it's really just Mike Leach for the most part. I guess you could somewhat say Dana Holgerson, too, that runs the true air raid where you hardly run the ball. As we saw, I think they ran a total of, like, I know they had 15 total rushing yards, but I want to say they maybe ran it around 15, 16 times. But I didn't think that we were ever going to see it, at least not for a little bit longer to this extent. I was really shocked. I guess it was sort of a panic hire in a way, not that they didn't get a, a decent coach in Mike Leach, but in a way, it was kind of a panic hire because Joe Moorhead got fired at an inopportune time. Yeah, and also to to not only throw the ball that much and to have the true air raid in the SEC that like I wasn't I wasn't shocked. I knew someone was going to swoop him up from Washington State. We all know he wanted out of there, but for him to for him to come into the SEC right out the gate. His quarterback, Costello, who, by the way, wasn't super accurate. I don't know how many of you guys got to watch that game. That first quarter, and I get it, pound of rust, new game, crazy offseason, or first game, I should say, not new game. Uh, all that stuff compounded into one thing, but he, he still wound up with 623 yards, five touchdowns, two picks, quarterback rating of 83.1, according to ESPN. But he threw, like I watched, I didn't watch the entire game, but I went back and watched quite a bit of it. Man, a lot of his throws were behind, over, too too far out in front of the wide out in front of his target, and then he kind of got in that rhythm and just ripped their secondary apart. Miles Brennan, by the way, threw for three hundred and almost fifty yards against Mississippi State's defense. Three touchdowns. Nobody's two talking picks. about the point scored. That's what I pointed out on Monday. Is mm-hmm. nobody's talking about that part? Yeah, I mean, I understand that it's it's phenomenal what they did. Went in the Tigers. I don't care if this is a depleted LSU team. Got to give Mississippi State credit where credit's due. But it, we've seen a lot of great games to open up. Like the one that really sticks out to me, as far as the most recent, I would say was six years ago. Whenever I think it was, or uh, it was 2014 or 2015. I think it was 2014 because it was right after Johnny Manziel had left Texas A&M. Kenny Hill passes for like four or five hundred yards on a top ten ranked. South Carolina team, and Kenny Hill was not Kenny Kenny Thrill, as they called him for much longer after that. We see a lot of – and I'm not saying that's how Mississippi – I know that I've really poo-pooed on Mike Leach a lot, and that's not what I'm trying to do at all right You're now. You're so negative. I, I think that there's still – yeah, there, there's still a lot that, that has to be seen. And yeah. I, I don't think this Mississippi State team is going to be able to consistently do this game in and game out. They might be able to do it against the Razorbacks. But I, I just won't believe until I see it that they're going to be able to work this uh, to a successful rate continuously. Yeah. Well, in the SEC, like the belief truly is that you have to run the football. You got to be balanced. And Kylan Hill, Kylan, all SEC, very highly rated draft pick, Kylan Hill had the ball or seven carries for 34 yards. His longest run from the line of scrimmage was 12 yards. Marks. Jaquavius Marks had three carries for 15 yards. 11 yards was his was his longest rush. Other than that, like as a team, they rushed 16 total times. I'm, you know, I think this is where I'm a little dicey on. I think Costello, I think he was sacked like five times in this game, but he also did get rushed out of the pocket, and it counted as rushes. 
uh, he he was a total of five for negative thirty eight. Obviously, the sacks counting against his rush, which I hate. By the way, I hate how they do that. But uh, sixteen total carries for nine yards. They didn't truly run the ball. I don't believe or meant to run the ball sixteen times. I think you know they're going to be somewhere underneath you know fifteen carries a game. They're going to be underneath that number as opposed to above it. I I'm with you. When he got hired on at Mississippi State, I don't know how many people, either in my chat or people that were responding to Hog Talk Podcast or friends and family, that was the hire. That was the hire. That was bigger than Kiffin. That was that might have even been bigger than, than Mullins going to Florida a little while back. It's a bigger, better hire. I just couldn't – I wasn't on board with that. I do think he's going to win some games. He's going to get some upsets. I don't know how much better he's going to do than the previous coach. No idea. Maybe he, I, he'll probably win a couple more games a year, and that's a big deal anytime you're talking about one or two more wins, um, especially at a school like Mississippi State, you know, who typically up until Dan Mullins came around, they were bottom of the of the SEC West for most for the most part, not all the time. I don't know if this air raid will work week in and week out without – with giving your star running back the ball seven times. Now, what they do is they'll let him have the ball out in the flats. They'll find tunnel screens, smoke screens, and that's what they did. He had eight carries or eight catches, rather, for 158 yards and one touchdown, one of those being 75 yards. Kylan Hill is good. It's hard to argue with Mississippi State fans when they say he's better than Rakeem Boyd. I think they're probably right. I think he is a better back than Rakeem Boyd, and and I, I don't say that lightly. I truly believe Rakeem Boyd is one of the top – uh, top three running backs in the SEC. So Kylan Hill is at the very top as far as I'm concerned. But taking him out like that, like taking your rush game out, will that work? Not really having a balanced attack, will it work in the SEC? And look, they did just beat the the defending national champs. They hung 44 on them at, at, on the road, even though that doesn't really account for much this year. So moving along to the, to the Razorbacks, I actually was just finishing up my script for my recorded video that I'm going to try and get pushed out hopefully Thursday or possibly Friday. And um, like like we said at the beginning of the podcast, this is a very difficult game to guess. You know, Prediction-wise, this is a tough one because you do have parts coming back for the Razorbacks on defense. I was, for the most part, pretty impressed with the secondary, but they are about to get they're about to get tested unlike any secondary has ever been tested before. Costello, who throws for 623 yards, five touchdowns, that's unbelievable. And that was against LSU, even though, like you said, that was a depleted LSU defense. Like, there's nothing back there for LSU. But Arkansas, they're going to have depth in the secondary. They've got, some, I think, some okay talent back there. We'll see how they, how they respond. But something I wrote in my, in my script was the only way – that I think you you truly slow this offense down, and I think it's pretty obvious. But you cannot afford to you can't afford to blitz. You cannot afford to send a linebacker, a safety, a corner. You're gonna have to get pressure with your front three guys. That's it. Like you're gonna have to drop everyone else back into coverage. You're gonna have to play a hell of a lot of zone. Heck, heck of a lot of zone. For the Razorbacks in the secondary and their linebackers, everyone's going to have to drop back and, and just be prepared. And they won't hit you with the deep. They'll nickel and dime you down the field. They'll find ways. That's just what that's what Leach does. That's what this air raid offense does. But you're going to have to get pressure, Kyle, with your front three. That's my take. Yeah, that's the only way I think that, Well, that goes there. back to the depth. Uh, you think about the guys. So uh, last weekend uh, in the second half, we didn't have Dorian Gerald, who was causing just mayhem in the backfield. Not really – at the time we were recording, we talked about it Monday that we really had no idea that early. As we're recording, we still don't know for sure. He is listed as the starter at the jack position on the two on the two deep right now, but still have not heard anything official as as we are talking about this. But mm-hmm. in the secondary, you mentioned, like, didn't see Jarquez McClellan out there, didn't have Devin Bush, Micah Smith, Miles Mason, Malik Chavis. That's a yep. lot of – now. Jarkus McClellan and, and Bush have a little bit of experience. McClellan has quite a bit of experience. Micah Smith has a good bit. Miles Mason got some last year. Malik Chavis got very little. But that just having those bodies back there, ha- having them fresh. And really, if they, I, if, if you're Jalen Catalan and you're thinking about wh- what you did last week, laying hits on people, you put those kind of hits like what Bumper Pool did to Dewan Mathis. <laughs> you put those kind of hits on these receivers and you put these kind of hits on the skill players – 
they're not going to be wanting to run these verticals and these cross, especially these crossing routes across the field because they're going to be terrified. So that that is key right there, hitting these guys legally, making you, sure that you scare them a little bit, and you're putting the pressure on Costello. This is why we're going to have to have Dorian Jarrell. We're going to have to have – we're going to have to have Julius Coates doing the same thing on the other side. Zach Williams emerged and had a really good game. We're going to have to get pressure on K.J. Costello because he will get rattled. He will go down. That's really the key right there. I don't have any doubt because they showed me that they can do it last week, that they they can crack some heads, they can get all the guys to the ball. But how long – I keep on going back to this. How long can, can they do it without getting fatigued because of the lack of depth? Yeah, it's like you. I think you hacked my computer and read my my script for this freaking video. I I literally one of the last things I said in the in the second part of the of the script that I was writing out was be physical on their receivers, put the fear of God into their receivers, make them force them to start dropping the ball and get them out of rhythm with their quarterback. And if you can put pressure, you're going to force some mistakes because KJ Costello, look. He didn't exactly light the world on fire in terms of accuracy, in terms of pass completion percentage. Okay, and he did make mistakes. He he turned the ball over twice, two interceptions. As far as I know, I don't think he had any fumbles. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Don't quote me. I did not get to finish that entire game. You can and and, and yeah, LSU got some pressure in doing that with a bunch of backups. They sacked him five times. I I really I really think LSU is going to be lucky. I think they're going to be lucky to be like a 4-5-1 or five one team this year. I think they're going to be really down. But they were able to continuously get pressure on him and force him to make mistakes. But be physical like they were against Georgia for three quarters. I mean, they were laying the wood, like you said, bumper pull, Jalen Catalan. You're going to have to do the same thing. Everyone on that defense, put the fear of God in these in these receivers and in, in even their tight ends whoever well tight end <laughs> let's be let's be honest in this offense but uh, put the fear of God in these guys Kylan Hill if he gets a carry which it looked like the majority of his carries were all like off draws it looks like that's what they're gonna do they're gonna try and get you some uh, they're gonna try and surprise you and they look like you, you know they struggled last year mightily on third down this year that might be a different that might not be the case by the way the current spread is in favor of Mississippi State at 18, the over-under at 69. Uh, yeah, 632 total yards of offense last week to Arkansas's 280. I, yeah, I agree. And I swear it's like you read my, my, my uh, you hacked my computer. I didn't know you were, didn't know you could do that. Um, that's a good point. And I think, too, if you can manage to get pressure up front with just your three guys, with just three defensive linemen, I, you know, there's going to be blitz. I get it. It's football. They're going to call. They're going to dial up the blitz. They're, they're going to have blitz packages installed for this for this matchup. But uh, it's got to come from those front three. What do you think, Kyle, on offense? What is most likely to happen? Frank's actually, I don't know, throw for plus or minus around 300, or or maybe Rakeem Boyd goes off. What do you think is most likely to happen in this game? I know that. He only had 21 yards on 11 carries against Georgia, but consider the front that they're playing against, consider the fact that the offensive line just really looked lost a lot in the run game. But I'm not worried about that at all. I mean, Rakeem Boyd has gotten off to slow starts before, got off to a slow start his first year at Arkansas, and then did finished off the season pretty well. You look back all the way to his junior junior college days. His first three games – or his first four games, he didn't play uh, in the third game. I I believe it was the second or third game. Uh, when he was on last chance U at Independence Community College. But he had under 100 yards in, in three g- games when he first began playing, then blew up and ended up having 1,200 and averaged 121 yards a game and 14 touchdowns. So yeah. I'm not worried about the, the – and that was in 10 games, exactly what he'll be playing this year. So – or I guess nine since he didn't play the one. But what I'm getting at is is I think that he has a very a very good chance to still have a very strong season – uh, still hit that thousand yard mark in nine games, and so I think that this is going to be. I, I think that Felipe can have a good game if he does his job. If if he can get some other guys open besides Traylon Burks, um, I know that uh, that Tyson Morris actually got open a couple of times that he was missed. I saw that on film. So there's a couple of guys that are able to do that. But as we said on Monday's pod, Trey Knox, Hudson Henry, we need you bad. And so I think that Felipe can't have a big game, but I think, th- I think that there can be a lot of offense, just like there was 
pretty much around a thousand yards or a little over in the LSU Mississippi State game. If if Arkansas plays Mitchell um, that they have on the offense, especially at the skill positions, I wouldn't be shocked if this one had. I'm not going to say a thousand total yards again because I do think it will be more rushing than passing. But um, this this has a chance to be a shootout. It really does, and that's what that's what makes this so difficult to really predict because. How bad is LSU really going to be this year? Is it possible that they might be near the bottom of the SEC when you consider, you know, what they lost? Not just personnel, coaching staff, the the passing coordinator, you know, just your overall roster being hit, and then COVID obviously was a huge hit for them. Or was they took a huge hit? Wasn't a huge hit? They took a huge hit getting ready for this game. So all those variables in that game matter. They matter. So what does that mean for Mississippi State? Are they really as good as advertised from that one game? Or was it just a you know perfect storm against LSU? All these factors coming in all at once. So then that leads you to the Arkansas game. They just played arguably the best defense in college football. They might even be better than a year ago. And yet, you know what? I don't. I don't think they were terrible on offense. I mean, you know, the run game was atrocious. Yes, but I think Felipe Franks did a few things that were okay. All right, not bad. That throw to if you go back and watch that Traylon Burks throw, dude, he was running out of the pocket through that on one foot with his body kind of torqued in one one direction. That was actually a pretty impressive throw. Wasn't super on the mark, and he's not a super accurate quarterback. And and you know, I know you've been skeptical of him. Uh, and rightfully so. If you watch his some of his Florida film, there's moments where you're just like, man, um, how's he the starter again? But you know, then you look, uh, he, he had some success at Florida, and he made that throw with Burks, and I thought that was pretty impressive. And he made a couple other throws that were impressive. So, yeah, I think um, who knows how this game. I, I again, I'm not even going to give a score. I have an idea in my head, but when we, when it comes around to prediction time here at the end, I'm not even going to give a score. I, I'll wait until we put out our official score. You know, the expert, the expert predictions. You know, well, I'm going to wait until then to to put out my my prediction. Uh, going to Discord really quick. We're going to answer these questions if we can. Please don't get for those of you who ask questions and we've kind of skipped over. Don't be mad. Sometimes we just can't. We don't have the time to answer them all, and also sometimes we just don't have the answer. Jay Haas wants to know, <laughs> what is it going to take to get the offense going? Can the defense finish? Can we slow down the air raid? He's asking like 16 questions here. Okay, this is going to have to do it, I guess. Should we have a better game this week considering this isn't Georgia's defense? I'm not going to say the next part because that uh, we're, we're Disney here on HTP. <laughs> Sorry, John. Uh or Jay Haas, do you ever get nervous? I'm not even – do I ever get – He's trying to pull a funny from a Lil Wayne song. It has to do – that. that is the follow-up line to what you cannot read. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Not a fan of Lil Wayne. Not hating. Yeah, he's trying, he's trying to go wheezy on us here. I'm, I'm not hating. I just, you know, um, not, a, not a big Lil Wayne guy. Uh, Post Malone, on the other hand. So, yes. what is it going to take to get the offense going? I think I think we both kind of touched on it a little bit. I think they got, they've got to get the pass game going. We know what Rakeem Boyd's capable of doing. Yeah, it's, it's always good to have the run game going in the SEC. But I think if you could put the fear of God in their secondary, throw the ball around, open the offense up quite a bit, I think that's how you get the offense going. I think that's that's a good way to start. That's That's just – that's my opinion, especially with the skill, with the talent that you have at wideout. Like, they should be able to pass the ball on Mississippi State's secondary. Uh, can the defense finish? That's yet to be seen yet. Not a not a diss on Odom. We just haven't seen it yet. Can we slow down the air raid? I, I, mean, I mean, I hope we can slow it down. No, I'm uh, going to go ahead and tell you, we're not going to be able to stop it completely. <laughs> I sure you, hope we'll oh, slow it down. You can only hope to contain it, right? Like, isn't that the same? And I know I'm sounding so contradictory right now, Misa, because I've just, I, again, I poo-pooed on Mike Leach. And I, I don't necessarily try to poo-poo on Mike Leach. I just try to poo-poo on the people that say that he's just this elite coach when he's not an elite no, coach. What he not. has done, at, and, I, and I know I keep repeating myself, but, like, what he has done, where he's been, is nothing short of phenomenal. But uh, the air raid is, it's, a, it's tough to stop. But the thing is, once you do, once you figure it out, if you have the players to do it, if you have the aggression to do it, that's that's what it's all about. It's 
just popping people. You know, if, if they're hitting their crossing routes wide open or they're getting a bunch of yards after the catch, then that's going to give them confidence. But you hit them early and, again, get pressure on the quarterback, then he's, realistically he's just throwing it around. There's no way he fully knows this offense in and out. He just had guys running around getting open. From what I saw, it was a lot of it was the typical thing, just guys running around getting open. And yeah. if you confuse him, then he'll make mistakes. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and, and I'm not, and I sound like I was bashing KJ Cassell. I'm not. Like I do think he's a. I mean, Leach said it yeah, today. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, he's a real good quarterback. He's definitely capable of doing some damage in the SEC. I, I was never skeptical of him. I was just skeptical, like you, uh, of being able to do this week in and week out in the SEC. Will they do it against Arkansas? Odds are very high. Yes. Uh, M more underscore twenty is <laughs> if this is where I can ask my question. What will it take for Arkansas to close out game? This is actually a good question, uh, Moore. I appreciate this. There are times when we had depth around all sides of the ball, but uh, but we could not close games out. What will it take for us to close one out? Kyle, I'll let you answer that one. I mean, really, just you got to play consistent, and that you got to play consistent for sixty minutes. I mean, it's it's, it's basic as it comes, but the thing is, we you got to be sharp on special teams, too. We oh still didn't gosh. see much of that. Uh, really, oh, there was a lot of really bad moments. And um, even though there was – I know – and I've said this before, too. I know that the, the fake punt, like, toss pump or whatever that thing was against Auburn, <laughs> that just makes it look bad for the entire season. But special teams really wasn't atrocious last year like it was in 2018. It was much improved overall in the big picture. But, uh, you know, you, got, you brought Scott Fountain in. You brought your own – just your own special teams coordinator, but an established one like Scott Fountain is. And so, and, and it's, it's, again, it's one game. I know that a lot of us aren't really making a bunch of judgments off of one game, especially considering the, the caliber that Georgia is. But you've got to be sharp on special teams, too. As Joe Adams showed us so many times, and as I know this sucks to hear, but as the 2006 SEC championship game showed us, <laughs> it's momentum all the time. The, yeah. And then, of course, Mississippi State in 2015, when they – going back to Mississippi State since it's that week, when they blocked the field goal – they blocked the extra point, when Brandon Allen passed for seven touchdowns in that game, Dak Prescott had five Special teams is just as crucial as any part of the game. And I know many of us know that, but I think sometimes we forget it. You think that that big play at the end where you throw for the last second touchdown or make that last second stop, yeah, those are big. But the blocked field goals, as we saw with Dan Skipper and, and um, the, mooch, the, the, the pooch punts, those are just as big too. Yeah. And something else I'll add to that really quick. I think it helps when you – something we haven't had for the last couple of years, it helps when you have st- your offense – at least in terms of what you want to do established. If yep. you if, if you want to be able to run the ball, then run the damn ball. Like find ways to be effective. That helps in the long run when you're trying to close a game out. What can you rely on the most? And Arkansas hasn't had anything to rely on the last two years because it's been, well, uh, I'll just self-censor here. It's, but it's, it's been ugly the last two years. I didn't see them really gain any kind of an identity on offense last week against Georgia. That was against Georgia. We'll see if they can do that against Mississippi State. If they get something established on the offensive side of the ball, that, that'll help you close it out. But I appreciate the question more. That was a really good question. Yeah. Um, Tripp, oh, I didn't proofread this, so I'm, we're reading this together, Kyle. How can the Arkansas – how can the Arkansas defense defend Mississippi State's air raid? So how can they, not whether or not can they, how do you think the Hogs' offense will play after being essentially shut down by Georgia in the second half? Um, hmm. Well, I, I guess we kind of already answered that a little bit earlier. Playing physical on these on these wide outs, playing physical on these wide receivers, laying the smack down, getting consistent pressure on the on the on the quarterback. Being disruptive in the backfield, that helps. When you can create havoc before he's able to get rid of the ball, that helps. But then when he's able to to, to deliver the ball, playing physical on the wide receivers, making them – you used to hear this all the time. When, when a guy would, would drop a ball and a defensive back was closing in on him and the receiver would drop the ball, what was the common term that everyone in the room would shout out? He heard them footsteps, baby. He heard it coming. That is exactly what needs to happen against this air raid. You got to force them to make mistakes one way or another. Uh, how do you think the Hogs' offense will play after being essentially shut down? Um, I think, I think they'll play much better on offense. I just do. Kyle mentioned it. Mississippi State on defense is 
is uh, I can't I can't remember if you mentioned that while we were recording or not, but we had talked about it earlier. Their defense is not it's not that great. It's a typical leech football team. They're not going to play very good on defense. This is a great week, by the way, to establish what you're trying to do on offense. It's to set the tone for maybe the rest of the year. This is what we can go back to. Oh, wow, well, we were able to do that, even if it is a Mississippi State Mike Leach defense. This is a great week to build on. What do you think, Kyle? What, what are they answering Tripp's questions there? What do you got? You took the words pretty much right out of my mouth. I mean, really just kind of repeating it. It's we've um, to, just to stop it. You've just pretty much you've got to be physical. I don't think I've really used that word today as uh, on this show, at least. And Barry Odom has shown that that not only is this team just flying to the ball. That's one thing that's really refreshing to see. Ty, I imagine that you probably saw uh, I think it was last week when they did the rerun of the 2000 Cotton Bowl with Texas and those defenses under Keith Burns. You just saw guys flying to the ball. They weren't yeah. the greatest athletes in the world. I, I would, I would probably dare to say that pretty much all the guys that we have on defense right now, even though they're young, were more highly regarded than those guys we had that were great even back then, at least as a whole. And so that's what's really refreshing to see was just guys flying to the ball, just trying to find where it was instead of just jogging like we saw the last couple of years. And that's what it's going to take the, this game too. I agree. Um, it's. Good grief. I don't even know where to begin with the predicting. I'm just going to say I, I do think Mississippi State wins this thing. It'd be nice. This would be a hell of an upset. I mean, now they're ranked. Yet another ranked opponent for Arkansas to play. It's like every week, man. Every week they got to deal with this. I think I do think Mississippi State wins this thing. The spread right now, what did I say it was, 18? I, th- I think – I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on the spread. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. How about that? What do you think? I, I believe at the time we're recording, it's it's minus 18, but it's gone from minus 14 to minus 18, so it'll probably change again. Yeah. Yeah, it probably will. You got – who do you like? I'm sure you're probably picking Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm going to – yeah, I'm going to pick Mississippi State. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know it's like an actual score. It's – this one's just we'll, – we'll probably do our predictions, but, um, yeah, that's – I really – I just don't know, man. I, I got to think about it a little more before I put my – before I endorse it and put my name behind it. Because it's probably going to be wrong either way. I doubt that I'll be as lucky as I was against Georgia. So, I think that's really about it on the show. Um, yeah, we'll have our we'll have our predictions out, I th- I'm assuming, on Friday. Our expert predictions – so you can look forward to that. I I'm excited for the game. I'm not gonna lie. Like even if I don't think the Hogs win, I'm always excited. I I hope they, I just hope they get something established on offense. It would be so nice to see this defense just absolutely crash Mississippi State's offense after what they just did to LSU. Wouldn't that be a sight to behold? Just to watch them go up and down the field. Well. Our offense do that, but then our defense stop Mississippi State from being able to do that. That's what I hope happens. I just don't see it happening. I, you know, only God knows how this thing turns out. It is it is a, an interesting matchup to say the least. So don't forget. Next up, Kyle's going to be interviewing Mississippi State beat writer from the Clarion Ledger, Tyler Horka, and also stay tuned for Porter Hayes and his Arkansas Women's Sports Report. All next. We'll see you guys on the next one. Woo Pig Suey, go Hogs. We're now joined on the Wordman's Travel Center hotline by Mississippi State beat writer Tyler Horka. And since 2008, Wordman's Travel Center has made it their statement to provide a clean, friendly, professional environment for their customers with locations in Rudy, Lowell, Ozark, Wordman's of. Wortman's offers a variety of merchandise for quality food, including the Rise and Shine Breakfast, Hilltop Special, desserts, and much more. Visit their website at WorkmansTravelCenters.com to learn more. Wortman's Travel Center, where we are more than convenient. And Tyler, thanks for taking some time out to join me tonight. And I know Starkville has been a very happy place this week, getting the biggest win of the first slate of the SEC schedule. And just from your perspective, are you feeling pretty good based on that one game that you saw? Are you really on the fence that some people are, where they like the great performance? Or was it just a, was it a product of, of surprise maybe for LSU, just not having film on them and then being very young and experienced or basically just not seeing the offense before? What is your take on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that go into it, actually. And you could also look at what LSU lost from that 
national championship winning team last year. I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, Derek Stingley going out, going down and, and not being able to play within, uh, I think he went to the hospital the night before the game and it came out a few hours before the game that he wouldn't be playing. When you're playing Mike Leach's air raid offense and you don't have your best cornerback, probably the best cornerback in college football on the field, that's a huge hit. And yeah, I think there was a huge question mark on Mississippi State's offense and whether or not Mike Leach could do what he did in game one uh, at all, you know, in the SEC. And he did do it in game one. So setting an SEC passing record um, in his first game at Mississippi State, KJ Costello throwing for 623 yards was uh, pretty eye opening, as you said, for the rest of the country. But it is a small sample size. And uh, you know, Mike Leach is going to have to prove it. K.J. Costello is going to have to prove it throughout the course of uh, a 10-game SEC schedule, which isn't, which isn't going to be easy to do. So, I mean, so far, so good. The alternative was going in there and losing to a depleted LSU team in Baton Rouge. So I think the, the Mississippi State will take what they got in week one, and uh, the next thing they have to do is turn around and, you know, they got a home opener against Arkansas and do it again and just kind of keep this thing rolling. You talked about an injury for LSU, and Arkansas had quite a few players out, particularly on the defensive side and at defensive back that we're expecting to be back. And it's looking like they're going to take the, – that the Razorbacks will take about 15 players, 15 defensive backs, obviously some less linebackers. You're going to need more defensive backs for that type of offense. Are there any key players for Mississippi State out that you guys know of right now as we're recording? They actually got out of that game pretty healthy, and I think that was uh, you know lost in – what KJ Costello and the offense did was that uh, Mississippi State played or stayed pretty healthy. Uh, on the defensive side, Martin Emerson is is probably um, the most important defensive back on the field for Mississippi State. He's a corner. He's only a sophomore, but he kind of took hold of a starting spot last year. He left the game, but only momentarily. He came back, and it looks like he's good to go for this week. And then Kylan Hill was the only other guy that left the game last week. He came back, and as you, uh, as we saw, he um, he looks fine. So Mississippi State pretty healthy going into Arkansas. I want to ask you while we're on the subject of Kylan Hill. This wasn't in my notes or anything. I just am I'm curious of your thoughts. So him being, I, I would probably say, and I know we're both kind of biased in, in this opinion, but I would say Kylan Hill and Rakeem Boyd might just be the two most talented backs in the SEC. They're definitely close to the top if they're not. With We knew that Mike Leach was going, as we've said, he's, he's going to throw it a lot. That's just what he's always done. But the fact that he only got seven carries but was so dominant in the passing game, is it crazy to think that he might actually have more rece- – he had 1,300 yards last year. Do you think it's not really crazy to think that he could have more yards receiving than rushing this year? I do not think that's crazy at all. And we talked to running backs coach Eric Mele this week, this week, and he said – uh, look, Mississippi State fans, they're used to the ground and pound, uh, get 200, 300 yards out of one guy uh, on the ground, and, and that's a good game. That's a good football game for Mississippi State. He said, you know, we're going to try to get 200, 300 all-purpose yards out of, of Kylan Hill in any given game. So when, when you add it up, I think he had 158 receiving and, and 34 rushing, and that's pretty close to that 200 mark. So, um it's just it's a pretty crazy 180 to see Kylan Hill go from leading the SEC in rushing last year and being a bell cow of sorts to just another uh, weapon in an air raid offense. But I think that that speaks to both Mike Leach's offense and, and what it can do for skill players. But it also speaks to Kylan Hill's versatility in that he's just a really good athlete and he could line up at receiver and probably get 150 yards every game. But coming out of the backfield, it makes it that much more difficult for the defense to, to try to stop him. And he showed that against LSU. As great as the numbers were that Mississippi State put up, the over 600 yards passing, their defense gave up 425 yards. 345 of that was through the air. With how much defense they've lost, so I know in, in 2018, I guess the 2017-2018 range, you guys had multiple day one draft picks. And with how much they've lost on defense over the last few years, from your perspective, would you say Arkansas's offense should maybe try to go in off the bat and move the ball through the air, which they weren't they weren't really able to move to move it in general a lot last week? But should they try just trying to do the typical Kendall Bryles thing and throwing the ball down the field, or try to just pound it with Raheem Boyd? Yeah, I mean LSU ran the ball 38 times last week and only got 80 yards, so that's just over two yards per carry. 
I'm interested to see if, if that's, uh, if that kind of sticks true to who Mississippi state usually is, which is really tough in the trenches, big dudes up front, being able to stop the run uh, in the air. Like you said, miles Brennan threw for over 300 yards and, and there were some busted coverages and Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator of Mississippi state was the first to say, our guys looked pretty good in man coverage on the back end inexperienced secondary, but uh, there were some inexperienced plays where LSU receivers got uh, behind those DBs and were kind of running free. So uh, the way Mississippi State mitigated that and, and was able to hold LSU under 30 points in that game because seven of those points came on a pick six from KJ Costello. So um, was getting to the quarterback. Mississippi State led the SEC in sacks last week with seven and the strength of Mississippi State's defense, uh, as we saw with the LSU's yards per attempt and with those sacks is, is the guys up front and Errol Thompson in the linebacking core, Kobe Jones defensive end and Marquis Spencer defensive tackle. Those are guys who have been around the SEC for a while. And uh, Zach Arnett said he's going to have to lean on those guys heavily. He did in week one. And I think it's going to be the same against Arkansas and even beyond that too. So Costello, Kylan Hill, Javante Payton, Osiris, is it, is it Osiris Mitchell? Is that how you pronounce it? Yep, you nailed it. Os, Osiris Mitchell. So they were – I know that uh, Peyton and Mitchell both had over 100 yards receiving as well as Kylan Hill. So those were your standouts for against LSU. Is there anyone else, whether it be on offense or defense, that you expect to break out against Arkansas or in the future? And, I, and before you answer that, we've made a lot of average players over the last few years look like <laughs> Heisman Trophy winners and various you, – you named the award. But uh, so there's – it's very likely a lot could break out. But for, uh, from your opinion, who, who do you think is going to, as the year progresses, uh, to really show out? Yeah, I'll give you one guy on each side of the ball. On offense, I think wide receiver Malik Heath, who's a junior. He's a junior college product, and Mississippi has a really good JUCO system. He only had one catch for one yard against LSU, and he was a guy throughout the whole entire offseason who everyone said, yeah, Mike Leach's air raid, throwing the ball around, that's the guy who's going to get it a lot. One catch for one yard isn't getting in a lot and isn't doing a lot with it. So look for him to come out against Arkansas and kind of set the tone for the rest of his season. And then on the defensive end, uh, safety Fred Peters, who's also a Mississippi uh, junior college product. Uh, he was kind of the guy that was tabbed as, um, although he doesn't have a lot of SEC experience, he's got a lot of college football experience and, and he's an older guy. So he was kind of tabbed as the leader of the secondary he was one of the guys that, uh, you know, blew a coverage and, and LSU got quick seven, uh, easy score off of him. So I think he's going to want to rebound from that. And um, based on what everyone was saying and, and based on what I saw at the end of last year, I do think he is a pretty good player back there for Mississippi State. So it's Malik Heath on offense, the wide receiver, and then it's the safety Fred Peters on defense. And uh, one thing that I was also going to mention, too, so Arkansas last game against Georgia, they played pretty well on defense for the first two and a half quarters. There was a lot of big hits, a lot of uh, just chasing around the ball. They got a couple of turnovers. Me personally, I said that uh, as in our segment before, I had mentioned that really to stop a defense like this, you've got to give the hit the receivers, obviously, legally uh, before or really before they get in to get into their groove get into the game before KJ Costello starts completing passes all over the field I just think that they that we have to be really aggressive if we want to have a chance against this air raid what is your take on what's the way to stop I know that we kind of briefly talked about off air that you're from Texas you grew up in air raid country how is it that you stop this offense yeah if you're confident in your defensive backs and obviously you know a lot more about Arkansas's defensive backs than I do if you're confident in those guys play press coverage play up at the line. I, you don't know how many times I've seen uh, an air raid offense just totally dismantle a defense because the defense thinks, all right, we're going to sit in the zone and we're going to play off a little bit. That's what Mike Leach wants. Mike Leach's offense attacks space. So when you're playing off and you're playing a zone, the space is going to be, you know, three yards here, seven yards slant there. And then that forces the defense to say, okay, they're just dinking and dunking their way all the way down the field. Maybe we should tighten up a little bit. The second you tighten up, that's when they hit you with the long one. Saw it against LSU. Like I said, saw it my whole life growing up a Texas fan when Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. We all know what happened in that 2008 game when both teams were in the top 10 and it was a crazy atmosphere in Lubbock. So uh, it's just, it's kind of crazy that Mike Leach's offense and has been around for really the two decades he's been a head coach. And even before that, when, when he was an OC with Hal Mummy and 
um, some of those other uh, some of those other places, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and and whatnot. So, um, look, if I if I had the the uh, the key to stopping the air raid offense, I wouldn't be on this this uh, call with you, and I'd be out there <laughs> trying to do it somewhere. But uh, those are the general principles that I've seen from watching it for 20 years, and uh, I know Arkansas's coaches and coaches around the country have their ideas too. So I'm pretty interested to see what what all of them try to do especially in the SEC the rest of the season. I'll put you on the spot before we finish up here. What, what's your projections for the game? Kind of give me what you, the way that you think the flow will go and the final score. Yeah, I really don't start thinking about that stuff till Friday. So you, you've, you've caught me here on a Thursday night. Um, I, think, I think Arkansas could keep it close, kind of like they did against Georgia um, early on. And if they do that, look, they got a better chance of keeping it close all the way. Uh, you know, Georgia's a top 10 team for a reason, and that defense is is really stout. So uh, Arkansas is going to score on Mississippi State. I think a lot of teams are going to score on Mississippi State this year. But if Mississippi State does what it did against LSU last week, which is get some turnovers, get some pressure on the quarterback, uh, that's not a good remedy for success for Arkansas. And anytime, like I said, when the Mississippi State defense – holds a team and offense under 30 with the offense that they got uh, backing them up on the other side. It's uh, it's going to be good news for the Bulldogs. Um, what well, the line on this game? I think I saw, I don't know if this is a gambling podcast or whether you talk about that all. We're, but, we're, hey, we're actually sponsored by bet online. So we most certainly are. Can't there you go. I think it was around 18 points and uh, I was, I was asked to pick for uh, our network. And I said, Mississippi State's going to cover, which I'm not, I'm not thrilled with that choice. But it could definitely be in that three touchdown, uh, you know, range. Wouldn't be shocked if it was more like two touchdowns. Mississippi State, um, you know, 45-31, somewhere in there. Okay, yeah, I can, I can go with that. Actually, that's a little closer. I, I actually haven't really made a pick yet. Um, like you said, it is a Thursday night. We released this on a Friday, but I would probably say I, I would actually maybe give at least Mississippi State a two touchdown lead, uh, just because this is one of those things where Arkansas could just be up and as many leads as we've blown over the past, even dating back to the Bielema era. With with Mississippi State, you could have them up in that air raid offense. You could have them up two touchdowns or have them down two touchdowns, and you're still not safe. Uh, that's right. just kind of the way. So uh, it it would not shock me if it's at least. But hey, I'll, I'll take the ten points, man. I mean, we're kind of tired of moral victories at this point. But uh, yeah. there's but only so many of those you can have, right? Yeah, there really is after so long. And um, but you know, it's yeah. I think that right now we stand at twenty straight SEC losses, four more uh, than. That will be the record. So we're trying to avoid that at all costs. But, but uh, we've been talking with Tyler Horka, Mississippi State beat writer for the Clarion Ledger. Tyler, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, wish you guys nothing but luck for the rest of the season, except for this weekend, of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a good football game, a close football game, is more fun than a blowout. So um, let's see if the Razorbacks can keep it close and, and make it better for all of us. Well, that will do it for this segment brought to you by the Workman's Travel Center. Be sure to stick around for Porter's recap for the Arkansas Women's Sports Report. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next time. Welcome back to another weekly women's sports report presented to you by 1010 Sports Performance Training. We'll start you off with the 13th-ranked Ladyback soccer team as they travel to Lexington to take on the Lady Wildcats. And they won their first road match of the year by a score of 4-1. to one. After going in the half tied 1-1, one one, Arkansas opened it up in the second half when sophomore Anna Potagil led the Razorbacks with two goals as well as a pair of assists to Taylor Malham and Aver Takersley. With that performance, Potagil earned her second Consensus National Player of the Week award in just a little bit over the year. This award was given out by the United Soccer Coaches. Up next for the Ladybacks, they will be at home against 5th-ranked Texas A&M on Sunday, October the 4th, with first kick scheduled at 2 p.m. You can see this game on the SEC Network. The women's basketball team earned a preseason ranking this week by ESPN's Way Too Early Top 25, where they came in at number 13. The ranking goes on to say that Coach Mike Neighbors might have the best guard trio in the nation with the returning starters Chelsea Dungy, Amber Ramirez, and along with grad transfer Destiny Slocum from Oregon State. The Ladybacks can improve on their already top three SEC three-point shooting team with Michaela Daniels and the addition of freshman Alana Eaton. 
The women's tennis team will be in action this weekend at the TCU Invitational on Friday. Then they travel to Norman, Oklahoma on the 10th before coming back to Fayetteville to host the ITA Regional Championship on the 23rd. On to the women's track and field where a pair of women's alumni, Peyton Chadwick and Talia Brooks, finished 1-2 and two in the 100 meters at the Diamond League Altered Season in Doha, Qatar. Chadwick posted a season-best 12.78 for the win, while Brooks got a career-best time of 12.86. And that will do it for this week's weekly women's sports report. Remember to stay tuned each Friday as the Hawk Talk podcast is the only place where you'll get all the latest things on women's sports at the University of Arkansas. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.